You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the reason everyone is going to be naming their babies Kara in 2020, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around tech and beyond. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We have just returned from holiday break, and I'm making a grave error right now, but I wanted to use today's show for something a little different. Because we haven't spent enough time together already for the past couple weeks driving each other crazy, I have ordered my family to join me in the podcast studio. We're going to talk about the year ahead and technology and lots more. So let me introduce this Congress of Swishers. First, on my left is my brother, Jeff Swisher, Dr. Jeff Swisher. Hello. Jeff's going to focus in on health care and some other issues. To my other left is my mother, Lucky Carney, who was appearing in Pivot last week. Say hi, Lucky. Hi, Kara. How you doing? Thanks. All right. And then my two sons are on the mic together, Alex Swisher and Louis Swisher. Louis has been on the show before. Say hello, boys. Hello. Hi. Feels good to be back. <laughs> good. Good. You're, Louis the pro here. I was trying yeah. to tell the rest of the family. He's a smooth operator of the <laughs> podcast. And then on my immediate right is Amanda Katz, who I'm going to be getting married to this year, and lovely uh, Clara Katz, uh, who is not going to speak because she doesn't have any words. Say hi, Amanda. Hello there. Hello. So Amanda it works at CNN, and she has lots of thoughts about media and, and is excellent on Twitter. So we're all going to talk about various things. But I'm going to start with Louie. Louie. Yes. You've been on this podcast before, and we talk about where trends are in tech. So talk to me about some of the things you think are important this year in the, sort of the tech space, what you've been doing. Well, I think I, you know, I've been using a lot of social media apps, been like pretty in-depth with that. But I think the trends that uh, I've discussed on these podcasts before and the other ones are still continuing. I think there's a large move away from Facebook and towards other apps, maybe if they're owned by Facebook. But mm-hmm. I think— Are you using Instagram? Are you— not? Oh, yeah. No, I'm using Instagram. But Instagram just recently put in, like, Instagram by Facebook. And what did that do it. to that you? That makes me a little weary to use it. I don't know. I don't like to think about Facebook. You just Facebook. don't like the branding. I don't like it. Facebook has a bad reputation. I don't really want to Is it just because I say so, or why do you think that? It's it's just because what I mean, you are definitely influential in that, but like yeah. I think also what I hear about it from other sources and what they're doing and how they're t- using our data, and like that's not cool with me, and it uh, doesn't make me feel very good about using it. So, do you think a lot of people your age think that? I think the the smart ones do. I think a lot of people it maybe it goes over a lot of people's heads, or they'd rather not think about it. But I think it's an important thing that we all got to. And think are about. you using Snapchat just as much? Oh, so much. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's coming back. It's a big. It's oh, it's a been it's been on the rise. I don't think it's ever dipped. Or well, you gone didn't away. like it when it did the redesign. Oh no, I don't think anybody was. Nobody really asked for. 
that. But right. I think it's been it's been pretty good. I really enjoy using it. It's a good social media app. And you talk to all your friends on it. Of use course. it for everything. Of course, yeah. But it's your primary thing. It is my primary app. Yeah, and what about TikTok? Oh no, I will never download TikTok. Why? Why? Uh, well, I don't really trust it. I don't really see the fun in it. I see it as like a knockoff ripoff of Vine. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty loyal to that. But I don't really like its connections to the Chinese government or about what do you how worry about it. them? I don't know. I don't really want to. I've been, you know, especially as I learn more and more about how our data is being used and like how to the extent to which it's being used and how much we're being tracked and how our data is being harvested. I don't really want to add. As, I want to add as little to that as possible or make myself as little involved in that as possible or give up as little as I can. That so. makes sense. You and Chuck Schumer. Uh, Alex Swisher? Yeah, I mean, also, like, it was just kind of like. I saw this thing where it showed, like, it was very, like, censored with, like, the Hong Kong protests and other things. It's just, like, an example of, like, Chinese censorship in the American market, mm-hmm. which is just, like, kind of scary. Would you use so. TikTok at all? Would you, like, dance around? No, it's, uh, it's kind of cringy. But, well, why like, is it cringy? What, do you mean, what does cringy mean? I mean, it's just kind of like, it's like, I feel like all the kids who do these dances are going to regret it in a year, like, the people before regretted using Musical.ly and stuff like that. But if you like doing those dances, like that's fine. All right. But, so what do you use? What do you? What are you? What is your? You just really started on social media this year. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I use like Instagram, and, like Snapchat, basically. But and what do you like about it? I like how like Snapchat, like you're able to like messaging and stuff like that. It's like more like simple mm-hmm. and like texting and stuff like that. And then Instagram. I don't know, just, like, fun to post stuff. But you just posted one picture, right? You're really careful about it, and you're really mad about me when I do that, correct? This is your chance to yell I mean, at also, me as a I, sharent. Um, yeah, you have a whole account for your daughter, daughter already. It's only been, like, two months. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. But what what about it? So what? It's a um, private account, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you should really, like, ask people before you, like, post photos of them to, like, thousands of people just in general. Will you explain what you told me? You can't really tell, like, good photos from bad ones. Uh-huh. And? So, like, you should ask me before you post a photo of me. Okay. And in general, you should, most parents should do that. What do you call me? A Sharon. A Sharon. Um, but you also call me a screenager. I'm not sure why you do that. <laughs> no, I just make fun because you're technically a boomer, so. Okay. You want, you want to say it right now? Huh? You want to no, say I'm it? good. Okay. I already said enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's right. going to save it. He's going to save it for later. All right, Jeffrey Swisher. Yes. All right. What are your tech things? You, I want I, I, later. I want to talk about healthcare and stuff because you've got you've got like mm-hmm. a, a stick up your butt about healthcare. But, I do not have a stick up my butt. Well, about you would healthcare. be able to take it out as a doctor. But what uh, <laughs> what um, talk to me about what you think about tech right now? Like you just got a Peloton. You're right. you're you use it a lot. You're an Android user. Yes. I mean, Why? I started using Android because. Initially, when um, the iPhone came out, um, Steve Jobs uh, hooked up with AT and T. If you recall, it wasn't was it AT and T? Yeah, AT and T was the first one. And I had, I think, at the time, what was the precursor to the phone company before? Sprint. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't T-Mobile? Sprint. T-Mobile. No, no, no. Well, anyway, but it wasn't on that platform, and I didn't like AT and T as a platform. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it was limited, so I had that platform, and I didn't want to switch. And so I kept. Uh, I started with the Android. Do you like the Android? Are you aware of, of all the Google? Yeah. Actually, I don't like the. I personally don't like the iPhone. And, Why is you know, that? I love Apple. I mm-hmm. own, I've owned Apple stocks for tw- more than twenty five, almost twenty five. So why years. don't you like the iPhone? I don't like the interface. I don't particularly like it. I'm not maybe because I'm not used to it. But I like the Android a lot. Yeah, and why? Because it's intuitive, it's easy. I find it a it's a good. You're not worried about Google spying on you, etc. Yeah, a little bit, but I don't. I think Apple spies on you too. It's just a matter of you know who you want spy. I mean, everybody spies on your car. Everybody. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They don't spy as much on you. 
It's not their business model. Uh, okay, that's fine. I agreed. But uh, I know I'm not too worried about Google. What about as a doctor? I mean, like, there's all kinds of things. That, the, the healthcare has been really slow to move for doctors in terms yes. of using it. Why it, do you think is, that is? is? Is for using tech? Yes. Yeah, healthcare is notoriously behind the times as far as utilizing tech. So why? Uh, because it's a juggernaut. It takes years and years and years for people. Uh, we're, you know, it's, a, it's an isolated community to a large extent, and uh, tech is just hasn't infiltrated medicine to the extent. Now, in the last several years, it has uh, in terms of things like Epic, which is the medical record system. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain to people what that is. Well, Epic is an uh, electronic medical record, uh, and it's the largest in the United States um, as far as um, collating uh, data from patients. It's basically the interface we use every single day. Mm-hmm. It's not that long ago. I mean, when I was an intern, we literally had zero tech, like zero. Uh, it was not unusual at 2 in the morning to be on the telephone to a medical records department to a hospital across the country with a medical records technician uh, asking people for information about patients that you're admitting. Now you can just go on the computer and, and essentially— Right, but what, what is, why is it so resistant? Because it's an area that has so much data, and you would imagine, is it just because of HIPAA or, or something else? Um, I think medicine's reluctant uh, to change. Like, as I said, it's a monstrous juggernaut, and there's a lot of people involved, and they're not necessarily tech-savvy people for the most part. Now, that's changing with younger people getting into it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, medicine is a top-down organization, you know, for people who've been in training for a long time. I've been, I've been at this for 30 years. Uh, and it's really only in the last, I'd say, 10 years that tech has really even infiltrated medicine at all. What about when you look at things like AI and other things that are coming to the fore that would be, do diagnostics mm-hmm. and things like that? Well, it's being used right now in radiology. I mean, mm-hmm. AI is a very, very useful tool for radiologists, and it's been shown that a combination of a human and AI can improve diagnostic accuracy quite a bit. Uh, there's other areas as well, decision-making about medical uh, diseases, et cetera, uh, the patterns, et cetera. AI is very good at detecting patterns. But the problem is, is, you know, the whole problem of garbage in, garbage out. You have to put data in that's correct. You have to mm-hmm. put numbers in that are correct, and there's got to be context. And so one of the benefits of being a doctor is that you have a tremendous amount of experience with context, and AI doesn't yet have that ability. So it's a tool, just like a lot of tools. All right, so you, but you're not worried about that idea of it replacing you. Not me. Uh, you know, I'm an anesthesiologist, and I think that it's actually a useful tool because it can help you identify patterns uh, that you are, you are presented with, and it will help you make some decisions, although it has not been, as far as I know, implemented at all in my, in my practice. It's in still, your practice? No. Because it's a human decision. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, you know, a lot of people don't really understand anesthesia because we're kind of like stealth doctors. But uh, very important stealth doctors because, you know, really if you enter an operating room, the person who's most likely to potentially cause you harm uh, is the anesthesiologist. And the person who most can help you through an operation is the anesthesiologist. So shouldn't it be done by a robot? No. It would be devastatingly bad. Possibly. Indefinitely bad. All right. Okay. All right. Lucky, I'm getting to you now. Listen, don't make eye rolls at me, Lucky. Talk about your technology use. I do not use any of those, Facebook, Twitter. I told you a long time ago. What did you tell me? When you asked me about Twitter, I said it was a stupid thing. Right, okay. I but you read Twitter. You, that's not true. You read I read it, but okay. I would never join Twitter. Well, except you read it. I read it to see what so you're most doing. People, yes, okay. Now, <laughs> I only see what you're doing because okay. that's how I so know what you're doing. I stalk you. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. First of all, I told you I don't care what anyone else does in their life. Yeah. None of my business. Okay, I don't and understand where we're going. None of their business. 
what I'm doing. Right. I think it's ridiculous. Okay, that. slow down, Lucky, and get in a, bit, a little happier mode. It's the holidays, okay? <laughs> I am happy. Okay, well, that's happy. There you go. <laughs> this Everybody is my has some insight <laughs> to my personality. Move along. Go God ahead. forbid. Okay, all right. Explain to me. What, what about people's business? I don't even understand what you're saying. Uh, no, I mean, I don't care what people are doing. Some people put everything, oh, I went to Hawaii. Look at my pictures from Hawaii. Yeah. I'm not interested. Okay, all right. Okay, then don't read it. What do you, what, what do you use then? Let's talk about what you use instead of what you hate, which I is a long list. I use text. And I use email. Those right, are the but you're only and the, and the news apps too, right? What you use the news apps too, right? Oh yeah, I read all the news apps. Yeah. Right, so you Lydica, don't buy newspapers CNN. anymore. Yes, I do. You of do, of course. Like, I what do. You mean, of course you do. Why do you do that versus because the apps? I like the feel of a newspaper. But you read it online. I don't like reading it online. But you, you don't do get it. the full thing. You don't get. All the news. Right, okay. I like every little bit. That's every- why I like the New York Post. Okay, all right. Because you Here get we go. all the news. Okay. You the know, New York the- Times. Mm. All the news that's unfit to print. <laughs> no, it's not true. It's true. No, it's not. It is so You true. could say that about the New York Times. No, you really couldn't. <laughs> yes, you can. They have to constantly make corrections. All right, Mom, let's, besides getting into your demented fox uh, d- d- syndrome. Um, I'm what, not what, demented. I want to talk about— We you, just so have you different text- ideas. Okay, so you use— Listen, Mrs. Trump, let me just go through this really quickly. You use text quite a bit. You're texting all the time, right? But yes. you like technology. You've really embraced it in the past yes, couple I of years. Yes, I do like technology. As an older person. But you didn't as think, an older person. Right. Did, you didn't think you were going to use it, but you do. You use your phone quite a bit. You rely a on lot. it. A lot. Yeah. So you use what? Crossword puzzles? Do them every day. Yeah. Churchill. You like Churchill. I play Churchill every right. day. Right. And you use the news apps, and you do, and you do look at Twitter. Well, I check them. Well, how do you look at the overall tech space? You know, how do you think about the technology company? Well, I think it's great. I think some of them have gone too far. I think Amazon is like taking over the world now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you I use it. Sh- no, I don't use Amazon. What, ever. What's wrong with what they're doing? I just don't like them. I don't like him. Why? Why? I don't know. Some because you're watching do. Fox News and they're telling you not to like him. But anyway, no, I think no, that's probably good. They do not. Why don't you like him? I just think he's arrogant. Uh huh. I think he. But you have has no basis no, in fact. He had. Well, I read about him, Karen. Okay, right. Some of the things I don't think he treats his employees particularly right. okay, well. Right, fair he point. does have like very bad. Yeah, um, and uh, he he's just grabbing everything, kind of. And I don't think that's good. All right. Okay. All right. Now we're going to do Amanda. Amanda, come over here. This is Amanda Katz. Hello there. Hey. So, uh, so talk a little about your technology use. You work for, uh, uh, you've been in different, you were a book publisher, all kinds of stuff. Tell me what you, how you look at technology now, especially with a uh, little baby. Well, I think that does change how I think about it a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, a sort of a mix of a kind of normal technology user for my generation, I think, and a little bit of a Luddite. I'm a slow adapter to certain kinds of technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was there. we were several iPhones deep before I got an iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah. That's <laughs> why we're together It's odd. It's, it's odd. odd. Yeah. So how do you think about it changing? Well, first of all, getting back to Amazon, you never used Amazon. Explain it's true. this. Explain your Amazon dislike. Well, I grew up in the book publishing industry. My first ever job was at a independent bookstore. I worked as a book editor for many years. So for a long time, Amazon was just sort of the, the monopolistic company eating our lunch. I adored Amazon as a source, as a reference source. I mm-hmm. used it constantly to figure out, uh, you know, comp titles for what we were going to be publishing and um, to research an author's backlist. Or, you know, I was like, this is the most amazing reference, 
you know, it's better than a library mm-hmm. to figure out what everybody has published and sort of what's there um, and what's for sale, what's out of print. But I did not want my dollars going there, you know, mm-hmm. as I was very aware of they're getting preferential terms from publishers because that became a factor very quickly um, in the early 2000s, which was sort of when I entered that industry. And then, you know, I, I, I share some of Lucky's concerns about the, as it as Amazon has evolved, about the kind of, um, the effect on brick-and-mortar retail, for one thing. I love having, I live in, I've lived in cities my whole life. I love having stores around me that I can walk to and buy things, and I know the people there, and that's wonderful to me. I don't really want that to disappear. And the labor practices are also concerned. If you read those stories about what's going on in the warehouses, it's mm-hmm. not great. However, however, what has happened? Something then occurred, which is, <laughs> this is the moment that they get you, and a lot of people have written about this, um, but the moment that you have a child is the moment that, the logic changes, the weight shifts, and it's, you know, in a moment when you need something, you need a certain object, you need it overnight, you probably cannot buy it around the corner, even in Brooklyn where I live, and, you know, which is incredibly well stocked with family things. You know, the Amazon is invaluable. You can find things very quickly. They have the full range of any type of object of that kind, and... You know, and if you're, if they're also good. It and works. they're good, yeah. If you, but if you've read the Everything Store and you see, you know, you, the, you, read the, you read the story of what happened with diapers.com, you see, like, that's ultimately the moment that they're going to get everybody. It's right. like you get the diaper business, you have all parents on the hook forever. All right. Okay. So you are now an Amazon user. I, I, in, I bought Amazon Prime this year for the first year ever. And how do you feel? Um, I still try to, you know, I'll buy locally if I can, but, but I use it. It's yeah. really, really convenient. It works well. You know, I still haven't solved the problem of how to handle packages as a person who lives in an apartment in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. that problem to me has not been solved, and it's the chaos and the drivers running up and down the street throwing packages at doors that can then be stolen is a system mm-hmm. that clearly doesn't totally work yet. But it's a monolithic system that's very hard to resist. And you have not resisted. I have you not. have fallen I for have it. Not. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about media going forward and what our media use is, all of us. Uh, when we're back here with this Congress of Swishers, which I have called to order, uh, we're here with Jeff Swisher, Lucretia Carney, who is Lucky Swisher, really, uh, Alex Swisher, uh, Louis Swisher. Clara Jo uh, Swisher-Katz and Amanda Katz, and this is obviously Kara Swisher. When we get back, we're going to talk about media and uh, privacy and things like that when we return. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, Who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, we're back here. I am talking to my family about tech. Um, I write about tech all the time, and I talk about all kinds of issues. Um, and so I'm going to talk to each of them about privacy and how they're looking at it, and then media. What has happened with media? We obviously have to get into uh, into politics at some point, which we will do at the end, and then we can all hit each other. Um, but but let's talk a little bit about how we're thinking about privacy. Now, Jeff, we talked a little bit about healthcare privacy. That's obviously a big issue with HIPAA and, and things like that, protecting people's privacy. But how do you look at the wider privacy debate going on. Does it affect you at all in any way? I write about it a lot. You may read about it when well, I write sure. about it. Sure. Privacy is important. I mean, again, I will look at things through the lens as a physician, and obviously a physician-patient relationship is critically important, and the ability to maintain privacy between a patient and physician is critical. It's critical to our job. In fact, it's illegal. HIPAA, as you mentioned, for people who don't know what HIPAA is, it's a healthcare, you know, Privacy Act, essentially, mm-hmm. HIPAA. Whatever it stands for. Yeah, whatever it stands for. Don't tell stuff. (laughs) Um, But, uh, I mean, it's actually very insidious, though, is there's a lot of ways that they can get information from you. For instance, if you sign up for 23andMe, essentially you're giving— This is the genetics company. Genetics company. You're giving your DNA to a company where you click a box and you agree to the terms where who knows what they can use that information for. And a lot of people have genetic information which they may or may not want— uh, you know, our family, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not a secret. I have muscular dystrophy mm-hmm. and that's a, a disease that's a genetic disease. I don't necessarily want my children's uh, genetic information out there for but insurance. But it is by you putting it up, right? Or you can be no, identified. It, potentially. Well, I the mean, Golden State Killer this year, that was how they caught uh, yeah, him through a yeah. through one of these. I think it was not 23andMe, it was the other a, one. A lot of database out there, but not just that, but the ability to use medical records and to be honest with your physician about what your conditions are. Uh, if you can't be assured that you have privacy, I think that's, you know, erosive. But isn't it just that's the way it's going to be? Everyone's going to be data DNA stamped now going forward. I mean, already people are in the database, and it's almost too far because they can identify people mm-hmm. through their relatives. Yeah, you could. I mean— Like it, Ann Wojcicki was I telling mean, me that, right. that she gets called by donors all the time saying, thank you very much. Now I have kids I don't didn't want to meet in the first place, for example, mm-hmm. when they were anonymous donors and, and things like that. But yeah. everyone's already in the database already. They are. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we have a, a new a puppy, mm-hmm. and there's actually a DNA database on dogs called Embark. Mm-hmm. And we actually <laughs> sent our dog's DNA you know, to, to find out because he was a rescue dog. We find out that he's, you know, 48% boxer, 35% lab, 16% mm-hmm. Sharpe and, and Chihuahua or something, you know, yeah. some crazy mix. But interestingly, when you sign on to your site, you can find out. very dog. Well, Chihuahuas are everywhere. Yeah. But uh, what you, I know it's like hugely everywhere. Uh, but you can find, for instance, what dogs in your neighborhood are related to your dog. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's implications for that for people. What, what implications? Well, it's discover, you discover that you have a half-brother out there, right. for instance, that right. you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a conversation with your parents about that at some point, right? It's like, hey, mom, uh, there's a half-brother out there that I don't know about. Right. You know? Are you saying something mom? to mom right now? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. Um, so, but, 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 but when you think I don't about— I so. Okay, good. Thanks, Lucky. Um, when you think about that idea, it's already done, isn't it? I mean, because that data is out there. It's already People are already embracing it before thinking of the implications of it. Sure. I mean, we've, we've done that. I think the cat's out of the bag as far as a lot of our privacy goes. But, I mean, it goes to financial records. It goes to job information. It goes to social habits. I mean, how many people have been busted uh, by 
posting things on Facebook and their employers get a hold of but, it. But, you know, DNA is a different thing. One stupid drunk picture is one thing, but mm-hmm. I think the idea of what you have physically, what you have insurance companies, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's avoidable. I think everyone's going to know everyone's DNA at some point. Well, that's scary. How so? I mean, because theoretically an insurance company could potentially decide not to insure you right. as a result of uh, you have a recessive gene for, you know, muscular dystrophy or, or dominant gene for muscular dystrophy. That's an unusual one because it's got a variable penetrance depending on the kind. I don't know what you just said, but go ahead. Anyway, it, the, the point is is that there are a lot of genetic markers out there, not necessarily meaning you will get the disease. In fact, you could be completely healthy. I mean, I exercise pretty much almost every day, and I'm you know very healthy as a result of it. But if an insurance company wanted to deny me or my children insurance, they theoretically could. And have all this. And not just that behavioral information, too, of how much you exercise. There'll be markers on right. you so they well, know. Well, look, look at Peloton. I yeah. mean, and, and, you know, I'm a poster boy for, uh, for tech. I mean, I have a Tesla. I own a Peloton. I have mm-hmm. an Android. I have a Kindle. Mm-hmm. I love watching the shows. You know, I know we're going to talk about media. Mm-hmm. But still, it makes me uncomfortable that we have the ability to know all this information about each other. And how we're doing it and what we're doing and how and what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I just turned off all my uh, location services on my phone. Right. Your article, uh, you know, last week about privacy, a lot of people have been commenting to me about that. They had no idea that some of these things, you know, when, you know, your phone is more active at night than it is at the day, yeah. during the day. Yes, I do know that. Right. I know yeah. that. You wrote about it. Yeah. I hope you know about it. Yeah. But, I mean, sending all this information that which sites you visit, et cetera. I mean, if you get any weird sort of predilections, you know. Yeah. I mean, like Donald Trump and getting spanked. Okay, all right. Okay, we're moving along. Louie, talk about this because you know you know something I didn't know. Go ahead. Talk about oh this. yeah. Well, there's a little thing in the uh, Apple uh, in, in the settings for Apple it's called significant locations, mm-hmm. and I actually discovered this by you know I was going through Instagram and I saw a video of somebody showing how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so Apple actually, if you, I'll direct the users because okay. I hope everybody does this. Um, if you go to your settings all right. and you go to Location services, or sorry, you've got a privacy, and then you go to location services, and you scroll down to system services, and you scroll down, you can click on significant locations. And so significant locations is, um, it allows, here's the description of it, it allows your iPhone and iCloud connected devices to learn places significant to you in order to provide more useful location-related information on maps, calendar, photos, and more. And then it describes that significant locations are end-to-end encrypted and cannot be read by Apple. Mm -hmm. But still, mine are off, luckily, when I discovered this. I was very relieved. But yours wasn't. Uh And it showed you the timestamp of where you usually hang out, where you've been, the dates, and the amount of time you spent in that location. And that is just, to me, absurdly creepy. Even if it's end-to-end encrypted. End-to-end, but the information's still there. And it still exists. And, you know, encryption's only going to be encrypted uh, until somebody's able to break it. Right. So what do you think about privacy? Do you think about it a lot when you you Hmm. use a phone constantly? Well, you know, I think it's really interesting growing up in this era and growing up and as social media and all these different media companies are rising to their power and mm-hmm. they're taking and they're, and they're really becoming their full form of what they are and I think that makes me have a very different notion of privacy than the rest of the people sitting around here uh, because you know, I, I grew up in this era and I grew up with all my information being available to these mass tech companies for them to sell behind my back mm-hmm. and to use to improve my data services and improve my connection with my phone but at the same time it takes away I think from my own privacy so I don't think I've known the same amount of privacy that you guys have mm-hmm. especially being a very tech savvy you know kid growing up with you know you as, as, as that mm-hmm. household so 
Um, I think that just gives me a very different notion. It doesn't really give me a glimpse of what true privacy is. Mm-hmm. I think that gives me a very different perspective because I think I've no, most of my life I've been okay with that. I haven't mm-hmm. really minded it. But as I learn more about how the extent at which my privacy is so being you used for you profit. you don't post a lot of stuff. You post very little. I do post. I mean, you I don't You really, do a lot of Snapchat posting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't really think That's not the same thing because it's ephemeral. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't really have also like a lot of data that I really care about getting at. Or well, getting. that's an old thing. It's like I don't have any secrets. Exactly, yeah. And I but do kind do. of think of that. But yeah, but there's also a lot of stuff I really wouldn't be comfortable with sharing. Right. And I don't, especially learning more and more about how the data is sold to other mm-hmm. companies without you even knowing makes me very, very weary about it and makes me not really, makes me less comfortable and makes me really question what's going on. So as I become more informed, I've become less comfortable with it. But, you know, overall, I really have been a lot of mentality of just like, I don't really care. I don't have anything to share. Alex, what about you? Right. How do you think about privacy? Well, like, I just find it like kind of like weird. Like, if I'll be like searching something, like, once I like bought a pair of like, Jordans a while ago, mm-hmm. and like um, you're a sneakerhead. Let's be, a little let's bit, but then like I went back and I looked, and it was just like whenever I went on YouTube or Instagram, it'd just be like, like all the ads would just be like different pairs of Jordans and stuff like that, and just kind of like creepy. How Is that like not spy. helpful to you or creepy? Well, it's not really helpful if you're advertising the same like shoe. Like, right, I'm not gonna buy the same pair. Right. Right, but they know that you have a predilection for sneakers that you really want. I know, but it's just, like, creepy to, like, um, if I want to buy a pair of sneakers, I'm going to go to, like, StockX or Goat or something like that. I'm right, we'll talk like, about StockX in a minute. But, but it's just kind of weird that, like, they're advertising to me on, like, YouTube. And a lot of these are, like, that are advertised to me, like, sometimes I'll click on them, they look kind of, like, fake or something. like. Right, so you don't know. What, what, do you worry about your privacy? I mean, a little bit. It's I mean, you're of, more worried than other people. You're very particular about photos and what you put up. And it's not just, like, vanity, I don't like that picture of me. I think you're very aware of of that. Or you've been much shyer about I sharing I think most things. people are aware. It's just, like, a lot of people aren't aware to the extent of how much, like, companies... What about in your class? Everybody shares much more than you do, correct? Or not, not really. No? I mean, some people post a lot. Some people don't. It's, like... I don't think people really care. Well, how do you feel about it as a teenager? Do you think you have to do it in order to participate in the social scene? Mm. Uh You don't don't care? I mean, I post, just not super often. Not super often. But you don't like them following you around and knowing what you do. Yeah, I think that's creepy. When, like, when they follow me around, then they'll, like, advertise, like, certain service that I might have, like... Uh Uh-huh. Gone yeah. To or something. Yeah. So know. you st- you try not to do that much of that, correct? I mean, you 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 don't mind pictures of your shoes, but you don't want them to know what you're buying and and have a record. Yeah. I mean, of that. it's kind of creepy that like, like I'll go on completely different apps or completely like different web browser, and then they'll just know on a different one. Yeah. Like well, with that's cookies called and Google. stuff. It's called Google is doing that. Where your mom. I mean, no, to- but it would be like Google or like even Instagram. It's just kind of creepy that like. Also, it's just I feel like a lot of stuff is kind of used to spying because it's like. I'm not going to buy the exact pair of sneakers. It just seems like use of spying on me, so your marketing Mm -hmm. isn't working. Go ahead, Louis. Well, yeah, I think the stuff you're commenting about, Alex was talking about how, like, if you make a purchase and the computer, like, takes in the the data from that and, like, gives you more suggested ads, that's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really too phased by that. That's contextual advertising. Yeah, yeah, that's not, that doesn't really bother me that Mm -hmm. much. Um, That's like I'm looking for cars, you get cars. Exactly, yeah, you know, sometimes I often find, like, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw this really fluffy hoodie and I was like, wow, I need that. Yeah, Yeah. I (laughs) I took it off before I come in here. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it's, it's, it knew exactly what I wanted and I got that for myself and I did use Amazon and the quick delivery service and I felt bad. Yeah. 
for the warehouse workers when I did that. Yeah. But, um, so you, you, no, you fell for the whole street. I did. I really did. I fell into it. And um, I don't really have a problem with that, but it's just, I think I, I recently watched the, a video on the New York Times YouTube that you were in. I forget what yes, it is. It's an opt-off. Yes. Yeah. And yes, it was, yes. it really, it really exposed, like, it really gave me a different sight. Cause like, while you may be fine with that, it's the next levels that they're able to take it to that are really bothering and concerned. Right. So what did they do to that guy in that video? Oh, they, well, I think the, the guy said, he d- I don't have any secrets. So yeah. we followed him. Yeah, exactly. They let him, they allowed him to track him and follow him. And I think the, one of the things that bothered me a bit more from that video was there was uh, this one, I think I don't. I think he was a writer for the New York Times. Yes, and Farhad, he was Manjit. allowed to walk. He was like, they asked him, they got a photo of his face from his, the web, from the New York Times website. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to like using public forum uh, cameras like in a, in different, in this, I forget which area of New York it was, but he was walking through a park and he got yes. a notification that he had walked through this park at a certain time. And it was an incredibly unfocused, pixeled photo. Yes. But they were still able to identify yes. that it was him Facial in that moment. Recognition and that very, bothered me so yeah, much. It's happening in Hong Kong right and now. Exactly. And like that, it, 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 it just, it disrupts the protest and it doesn't allow them to, to have the privacy to protest what's going on there. Well, China. Well, yeah, exactly. Place. It plays exactly, that's exactly what China wants, but I think that I think that's a really big problem. And I think once privacy is gone, like, what, what do we have to protect Especially ourselves? Especially who's in charge of exactly. the country. Exactly. Like, exactly. I don't do think anything. we can really trust anyone to be in charge of that because um, I think that anybody can be corrupted. So yes, I don't. Absolutely. Lucky, how do you feel about privacy? Well, you know how I feel. About no, I don't. I'd like you to tell us. How about that? I told you that I think it's wrong. To what? to constantly, I just rented a car. Right. And I happened to look at, I forget what part of my phone, and they had every car, every enterprise company that mm-hmm. I had called. Okay. And then I start getting ads from Alamo, mm-hmm. all these cars that right. I hadn't called. Right. Which I find very annoying. Right. You find them annoying or what? Annoying. Don't you think and that's I don't, normal? I, no, I don't like it. Right. If I wanted a car from Enterprise, I'd call Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Or if I wanted a car from National, I'd call National. Okay. I don't have to see six or seven other mm-hmm. car companies But isn't calling that their me. job to target you? This is called micro-targeting. I don't want to be targeted, okay? Ah, okay. And I but write you, you, them and tell them, Get my name off your list. But you, where do you write them? I'm curious. No, no. I, I write to the company sometimes. You do? Yes. With pen and paper? With pen and paper. Pigeon, perhaps? I am old-fashioned okay. that I think they should know. They should I, not be tracking you. So no. do not track Lucretia Carney. No, absolutely not. Don't even try not. it. Don't even, Don't try. even try it. Don't even try it. <laughs> but, the, but, you know, you are being tracked politically and stuff. How do you think you get the mailers you get? How do you think you I get— I do get a lot of Patriot News. Right. Uh, well, how do you think that Republican. is? I'm sure you're getting Eddie Gallagher. Uh, no, I don't. All right. I'm just saying you probably do. You are being tracked in that way. Oh, I am. Would well, you, but you do don't you mind think that? that Trump should be impeached? And I say no. Okay. All right. So then I get five. <laughs> Too late. Too late. <laughs> he's not. He could be impeached, but he's still going to be right, president. Thanks, Mom. Thanks. Thanks, parliamentarian of the Senate. Let's right, move let's on. Talk. Let's let her talk. All right. No, let no. me talk. <laughs> no. I'm saying that I get every single one of the conservative. But groups. you don't mind those. No, I, I X so you, them out. You, oh, you, right act, you don't like them either. You no. don't like Alamo. You don't or, want. So you don't want to be tracked by the conservatives. I don't want to be tracked because I'm not conservative. All right. Yeah. Okay. You know, I actually have to say, I've been um, on YouTube. I recently been getting a lot of ads for Donald Trump and yeah. like a lot of his like. You know, he's like he has this one video that's been running since September about yeah, how like, he is going to get an updated list of his supporters yeah. tonight, and he wants your name on it. It's the same video. It's the same script since September. So I wonder when he's going to get that list. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I, I continue. I know if I watch the whole thing, I'll get more of them, and I kind of find them a little. 
funny. Mm-hmm. So like I enjoy this. I will keep watching this. They keep sending me the ads yeah. and stuff like that. I and I'll read go it, in his but polls, I, but I, yeah, I, I X them out right away. X them out. So you just don't want to be tracked at all. I like don't it. want to be tracked at all. You don't all. want it. You don't, no one knows who you are. That's how well, you Well, they do care. Yes, yes, they do. She's a they, public figure. I'm a public figure. Yes. How do you think? I just think it's a really interesting question how much ad tracking actually works. You know, there was this old, you know, the old saw about advertising is that half of it works, but nobody knows which half. And the idea was that that targeted advertising was going to be so much more effective. But like Alex, I'm constantly being followed by ads for things I already have. Like, Mm -hmm. you you know, you look up like, where where can I buy Converse? And now you are being chased by Converse ads for the rest of your life. I don't see how it's more effective. If I'm going to buy a pair of sneakers, I'm going to buy like on my own, like I'm going to decide to do that, you know? I don't, one ad is not going to convince me to do that. Well, you know what? They, they, it will actually, because they're very good at that with psychology. Do you remember that movie Minority Report? with Tom Cruise yeah, from years ago. I mean, they actually had in that movie a very futuristic prediction about micro-targeting where they actually, using micro-speakers and uh, facial recognition, know who you are when you enter a store, and then they can direct ads directed to you. Obviously, it's successful, else so they wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, one ad may not make you want it, but, like, repeated, repeated ads over time yeah, the same shit. Oh, no, I just feel like sometimes it doesn't... There's a huge pleasure, though, in being mistargeted. Like, my favorite platform, I think, to be targeted on is Twitter, which is constantly like, you must buy frozen pizza in Spanish, or your teenage girl absolutely needs this deodorant. And I'm just like, oh, this is so wonderful. Like, you have no idea who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, well, that, it's lovely. That may be because Twitter sucks. But no, and it's also because I've turned off ad targeting. So I get really random ads on Twitter that have nothing to do with my purchases or preferences. Where are we getting the pizza? In? I don't know why they're convinced I want to buy frozen pizza in Spanish, but they are. Uh-huh. And so how do you feel about privacy? You know, again, you now have a kid. Like <sighs> I would say— I, You and I have had an argument about this. Well, yes. Yeah, you're, you're a very public figure and very comfortable sharing more widely than I am. And I do tend to—I would say I'm kind of in the middle of the range. Like, I have, there's people in my life who don't share at all and really don't put their business on the Internet— um, I would say I'm kind of in the middle and you're at the more sherry end, um, you know. But so that's been an interesting thing for me to navigate with you. I mean, sometimes we have to have discussions about sort of what goes up there and what doesn't. You know, certainly like with, with Alex, I've been like, okay, I think the policy is I should ask you before putting anything on a He's public right. account. That seems to me like a comfortable level. And I have friends who don't want ever to be uh, put on or, or tagged on social media, and I observe those preferences. For me, it is a little bit also the thing of I I hopefully am boring enough that people aren't tracking me that closely, but I have become more aware of it, especially as, I mean, certainly in my professional life, you know, as people have sometimes encouraged uh, bad actors to go after figures in the media. I mean, that's really frightening, um, this thing of kind of trying to go back through people. For example, you know, as people have been hired and it's like, well, let's do a kind of very aggressive going through their tweets and trying to see if we can find something that we can bust them for or get them in trouble. So, you know, those kind of things worry me, obviously. You know, I think that you, I sort of try to do it the best I can. I do have, you know, I have location turned off on everything where it doesn't seem important. I do have it turned on in maps because I need that to access the full map functionality. And when we were in the car the other day, your map functionality was turned off because you'd be, been scared. So you asked me if we could use my maps. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. That's true. So, but, but, I mean, are you, uh, as, you're, as you're thinking about Claire's life, I mean, they will be able to track her perfectly. In a lot of ways. I know. Yeah, I, I really don't know what it means to be born in 2019 as far as tracking. It's a very different thing. I mean, I, I grew up writing letters and dropping a dime into a payphone when I needed to make a phone call. Like, no, my behavior was not tracked very much. And 
she's born into a world where all of that stuff already exists. There's right. pictures of her from her first day of life on the internet. Yeah, right. And also, uh, and also, I already put an embedded chip in her. Yes. Um, so I no, I didn't. <laughs> when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about media and where it's going, including Trump's tweets and and what you guys like about the internet. What do you like? I had a very positivity column this week about where I think things could change. So when we get back, we're going to talk about media and then what you. I want you all to think about something you really like about tech and a hope that you had a dream you have for it. We're here with the Congress of Swishers. We'll be back after this. We're back to Rico Decode. I'm here with the Swisher family. We got Jeff Swisher. We got Lucky Swisher Carney. We got Alex Swisher. We got Louis Swisher. We got Amanda Katz and Clara Joe uh, Swisher Katz, who has said very little. I'm kind of disappointed by that. Um, anyway, uh, she's she's she has a lot, she's going to have a lot to say, I'm sure, in the coming years. But let's talk a little bit about media and the changing media landscape. Um, I'm not going to start with you, Lucky, because I'm sure I do want to ask you about the impact of cable news in general, but not yet. Um, I, talk, I would like to hear from both uh, uh, Amanda in a second because she works for CNN. But uh, but you were just and you were just referencing that. But how do you guys look at media? Because right now I realize one of the things Alex sends me stuff from all over the place, from YouTube and other places. And I was at lunch with someone today who had a daughter who gets all her information off of YouTube. I want each of you to talk about that. First you, Louie, and then Alex. Well, like, where am I getting my yeah, information from? where do you get your information um, from? Well, you know, I for a long time, especially after 2016, I just stopped watching the news. I didn't really want to watch cable news because I found it polarizing and not really enough for, like, giving me information rather than just having debate and getting views. So I wasn't really interested in that. So uh, I started watching a lot of, like, the, the late-night comics who take a satirical approach to what's going on, and mm-hmm. I think that's really smart and a really great way of covering. You like John, uh, which Yeah, John Oliver is my favorite. I really like The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. I've really been watching, I've recently been watching Seth Meyers' show. I really I really enjoy all that, because I think it's it, it makes it makes light and, like, kind of brings up uh, it's quite a serious, very negative though. situation, yeah. but it does take it seriously. I think, honestly, it has a lot less of a lower tolerance for bullshit than, like, CNN and other places, and is able to, like, cover it more fairly, I think. Uh, while they do have their leanings, I think, I mean, I agree with those leanings, so it works for me. Uh, but I think, you know, recently I've honest, I've been reading a lot. I get the New York Times briefing every morning, mm-hmm. and I read through it. Um, it's a good way to spend, you know, my neuroscience class in the morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. Uh, I think from the it's really I think in this era especially in this like it's really important that you have to be able to choose where you want to do where you want to get your media from and I think just like being able to like whatever comes like whatever the first thing that comes up on Google is or whatever the first do you thing use that pops Twitter up on Twitter no I don't use Twitter at all you don't use Twitter at all I, I really don't know yeah um, you but don't I think get your news from them no I don't because I don't want to leave it up to other people to decide I want to make that decision for myself okay um, but recently you know especially since the impeachment began and the race has been picking up and you're going to vote this I'm going to vote in the 2020 election I'm very excited for the primary in June mm-hmm. in DC. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially because I want to see as much of the candidates as possible, and I think this is a really important election, and it is my first election I'm re-voting in, and I want to take it very seriously. So I've been re- like reading, I watch a lot, I actually do watch some Fox News so I can just see what they're saying. Right. Um, I watch CNN, I watch MSNBC, and I just want to get a wide range on, like, what's going on. And, like, what do you see. think of the idea that young people don't care about I these? think it's bullshit. I think young people care so much because mm-hmm. we've been so tired of seeing what's going on. And this we're, is what I tell people. Yeah, no, I think, I think we're just, we're just, the only thing that we can't do is vote yet. And I think once we get that ability, and once we get that power. A lot of things are going to change. Mm-hmm. But especially living in D.C. and being able to go to, I was at the women's rights protest, I've been at the March for Our Lives, and a lot of things. And like, I found it really disappointing to see no change, not as much change as we would have liked, or barely any change come out of those actions. So I think once like people of my generation get the ability to vote and make their voices heard, a lot of stuff's going to change. A lot of, you know, a lot of things are going to fall, a lot of new things are going to be built. I think that's really important. But I think this is a very informed generation. I think we're, we understand, while a lot of people say we don't, we really do understand what's going on, and we want to see a lot of things change. What about you, Alex? Um, so about like uh, news and stuff like you that? You consume a ton of news. 
I've no, um, I, I can hear you listening. You know, you, you watch a lot. You watch a lot of YouTube videos. You watch a lot. Of, and they're all news or history oriented. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I tend to get my news or stuff like New York Times or, like, the Washington Post, stuff like that. A lot of, like, their YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes I look at their, like, opinion videos. I saw the one recently that you were in about, like, privacy. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you sent me one from Recode, which is this new open source thing about Google and Amazon using AI to facilitate oil prices. Yeah, that was from, like, Vox. Yeah, I, I think it's also it's just kind of, like, they're showing that they're, like, 100% renewable, but then at the same time they're, like, using AI to, like, help with, like, big oil. But you like to pick and choose your news. I've noticed you don't, like, you don't, you sort of, you graze all over the place. You really do, you don't use one source at all. Hmm. Do you trust the news? Yeah, I trust the news. I mean, I mean, there are some, there are definitely news sites that are, like, out there just to, like, sway your view and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, I try to look at, like, respectable establishment. What do you think is respectable? Do you look at any conservative stuff or not? Um, like I used to a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I used to a little just to like understand their side, but yeah. sometimes I just feel like there's not really like information or facts there. Yeah, you did. You looked at a lot of, of stuff. That was the controversy around Ben Shapiro. You listen to it. You look. You look. You 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 look widely. I think that's really interesting, and I think it is a a thing of younger people do that more. They look more widely at different news sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's important to consider the arguments of the other side, but then a lot of times, like. I've noticed that there's not actually, like, a factual basis, so then... All right, Mom, then we'll move to Fox um, News now, and that not a factual basis. It's the so only thing I watch. All right, but why, tell me about that. Then don't, be, get, don't get all up on your high dudgeon. I'm not. Why do, you, why do you watch it? Do you understand a lot of it's a little propaganda? Well, they're all propaganda. You tell me Chuck Todd is right, a newsman. Let's not go after Chuck. I want to talk about I Fox News. We're joke. talking about yeah, Fox wait, News. Wait, let's, we don't want to change the subject, Lou. We'll let's, change the subject. What do you, why Fox. do you like it? I don't like everyone on Fox News. All right, go I through like, them. Who do you I like? I like Brett Baer. Okay. Didn't I, he leave? Who? Who left? Who left? Oh, that horrible person. Okay, all right, okay, all right, okay. I like... Uh, Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace. Okay. Yeah, I like... Um, one who used to be President Bush's PR person. Okay. Nicole Wallace is on Nic- MSNBC, Mom. Not Nicole. She okay. was John McCain's. All right. Okay. Not, all right. George, all right. Okay. not all George Bush. Okay. So what do you like about it? Why do you like Fox I just News? think they're calm. They're good. I think Brett Baer is fair. Right. All right. I think Wallace is fair. Okay. What about the talking points that they—sometimes oh. I can hear talking points from them. That they get. What do you think of their link to the White? What do you think about their link to the White House? They do have a deep. Like, oh, they have a de- Fox. So what do you think morning. about that? Yeah, Fox deep so what do you think about that? Does that what, I think it's fine. Why? Because the Democrats have linked to the New York There's Times, not the NBC. Same thing. It's not even close. C- oh, are you crazy? I don't. I don't think it's close. It's not it even close. Is close. I don't think it's like Fox. That's your opinion. <laughs> My opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that it is very close? CBS. Any one of of those people. George uh, on ABC used to work for the Clintons. Come on. All right. But do you, do you, do you acknowledge that Fox has perhaps become a and little closer? And your friend, to... Dean Bacay, is it? He's not my friend, Mom, but well, okay. okay. He runs the, at New, York the Times. New York Times. All right. Is joined at the hip with the former where head did of you the come NBI, up with that? FBI. Where did, where did you come up with that? In Michael Goodwin's column. Okay, in Michael Goodwin's. All right. Well, I'm just wondering, do you think perhaps that, like, Sean Hannity or Janine uh, I don't Jeanine like Sean Pirro, Hannity. What do you or think Jeanine of Pirro. They're always at the White House. They're giving advice to the so president. What? Should reporters be doing that? 
The other reporters no, no, do on the other No, I think, you know, but I've seen but they like— they don't. Yes, they do. But I think it's a bit more extremely though. I've seen cases of Sean Hannity and the judge. Sean What's judge? They judge get up at Jeanine these Jira. Trump rallies and they actively endorse and root for him. That's so that, what? That corrupts their journalism. So do a lot of no, journalists. No, they don't. They don't because it's— Oh, come on. They some percent of journalists. Excuse me. They, but they no, Lulu, don't get up at rallies. Yeah, they don't get up at rallies and actively endorse and say that the people should vote for them because they would get fired from the places they work for. But they don't. Listen to what he's saying. But they're not getting up at a Trump rally and actively endorsing the president. Why is that? Who got up at Sean Hannity? Which Judge Janine? Judge Janine. Yeah, she also did that. They said you should vote for Donald Trump, and I think that makes them not a fair person to evaluate Donald Trump. I think it goes both ways. Except they don't. But they don't get up at the rallies. They're not up at the Elizabeth. So what? But they do it on the air. So what difference does it make? See, this is a perfect example. Jeff. I think the Trump banner. So, so, so let Jeff, yeah, let Jeff mediate this. I, I'm not going to say what year you were born in, Mom, but— but You could say it. I okay, so you were born in the early 1930s, okay? Mid-1930s. Mid, okay. Early mid-1930s. And at the height of Joseph Goebbels and his oh, propaganda— please. I'm Joseph telling you, Goebbels was they, it is the same late 1930s. It's the same playbook that they're using now, is that when you amplify— propaganda to the extent that you drown out facts. I mean, the, the, that adage that you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your facts. And that is the problem I have with Fox News and the others, is that their opinion is completely contrived and is not factually based. And there's a lot of news sources. CNN, I have problems with them in terms of that as well. I generally think the New York Times is fair. Uh, not necessarily all their opinion columnists, but the news organization. The same thing is true of the Washington Post. T- they tend to be fair and relatively balanced. The problem is, is both sides-ism. I don't think it's fair to present both sides. I don't think it should be uh, allowed to present both sides when one side is clearly false and non-factual. That's your opinion. Climate, no, it's not an opinion. These are facts. Climate change, anti-vaxxers, et cetera. These are facts. Climate the, change, Mom. Is there climate change going on? Yeah, probably, yes. Oh, uh-huh. What do you mean, probably, probably? Yes, there is. I mean, that's the thing, is that this is the problem Should that you, you get on Fox. Should you take vaccines? Yes, absolutely. What do you think Good. about the anti-vax side? <laughs> I think it's wrong. Okay. Good. Why? Because they're exposing other children so that's science. To, to the disease by being obstinate you, and would saying— you, Would you acknowledge that perhaps there might be propaganda going on? Of course, on both sides. Oh, I see. Well, that's, that's the thing, is that there's factual sides and there's non-factual well, you sides. you cannot say that the other news media are always factual because they're no, not. No, people, people like trip and fall sometimes, but Fox News is actively laying down. Like That's true. Anyway, we're going to move on from this. Amanda, let's move on. Yeah, let's Amanda move on. from CNN. Don't speak as a CNN person, but how do you look at this when you're looking at this media environment? Well, for me, it is really important to think about who is checking their information. And, um, you know, when I look at something by the Washington Post or the New York Times or ProPublica or, you know, what to me is a very trusted news source and definitely CNN where I watch in action the extraordinarily intense fact-checking process that happens there, that is a different type of information to me than— non-fact-checked information. It's certainly possible for someone to make an error, and then those errors are typically um, addressed publicly. But it's very, very important to the reputation of those organizations not to have errors. So I see all the time 
that process. And when I'm reading, you know, I, I do use Twitter as a kind of uh, news feed, actually, and I'm quite careful, but I'm quite careful about what I follow there because, you know, to me to follow the, you know, I follow sources like the ones I just mentioned. I follow AP and Reuters because that information is almost always correct. But I'm very, very cautious about, I will not follow anybody who repeats, if you repeat one piece of misinformation or sort of stuff that's just like boiled up from the internet, I will stop following you forever. Like I do not, you're off my list because I, I don't need that kind of pollution in my feed. It's okay, you know, to me it's understandable that as people are kind of trying to piece together what happened with this administration, it's very interesting because there's so much secrecy. So the process, the news process of piecing together the information has been um, a big part of how we've learned about what has gone on behind the scenes. And so that that information is always partial. People are getting, you know, they're, they're quoting many sources to try to build a picture of what's going on, you know, behind closed doors. And that's really important and interesting, but, um, you know, and, and will be flawed information in some ways as we collect it. But People are very, you know, those types of organizations are very careful about what they publish. And there's also active lying. There's actual that then gets proven, and then right, they say, course. "Well, yeah, yeah we lied." Yeah. So let's let's t- talk about that, and then I want to get at what you like, and then we'll finish up. Um, how do you look at this active lying using Twitter, using social media tools, and specifically by Trump? He does. He uses. He actively lies on the on Twitter. Yeah, he's not just him. He's a master of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is an absolute master of propagating non-facts and doing it so loud and with such a large megaphone that it becomes the truth after a while. I, I agree with Amanda. The, I love Twitter. I mean, I'm basically a Twitter addict. Um, thank you, you Jack. I'm, I'm a total Twitter addict. But the thing about Twitter, the problem is, is that the, the way that its algorithm works is that who you follow will tend to influence what kind of information is served up to you. So one of the important things is to be a responsible Twitter user. You should follow people you don't necessarily agree with or else you become trapped in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. That's true whether it's Fox or whether it's anything. But uh, I think that you've got to be very careful and, and have to look at the source material from, you know, where things come in order to make a, an intelligent decision about whether something's true or not true. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel the, the use of it as a tool? Is it, it is a propaganda It's a very tool. effective tool. And yeah. I, mean, it's, it, I mean, can you I don't. I think if Richard Nixon had Twitter, he would not have ever even been impeached. Right. I mean, okay. it's just, it wouldn't have happened. What about you guys? What do you, how do you look at You don't use Twitter, but how do you look at people using social media for this purpose. Yeah, I definitely agree with what my uncle just said. I think that like if it's really important to expose yourself to a wide range of thought because the algorithms do push the same thought, same like ideas that come up and like you can really see and you can see examples of people who just like they only follow like either hard left or hard right organizations and then all their media, all their news that comes through, all the people they hear from and all the people that support their notions are from that same side. And I think that you know, that's, I don't think that that's not the best way to do it because you don't get a wide range and often you do miss out on the truth because maybe your side doesn't want to report on it or even, like, bring it up. And, yes, Trump is a master and just watching him, like, through the uh, through the, his election in 2016 and in, coming into this new one in 2020, I think he's definitely going to use the same tactics he's been using for a while. His method of just, like, blasting with so many things that are going on that, like, all like all, like, the, all the scandals and all the things that go on his administration, it's like, you forget even what happened at the beginning of the week because it's so right. crazy. The, out, the outrage. Actually, I I made a mistake. Nixon was not impeached. He resigned before he was impeached. Right, right. Let's remember that. Right. But, like, I think it's just, it's really incredible. And also, like, I Twitter being used, like, I remember when, um, I'm slipping on her name right now, but when one of the people was, when this woman was testifying during the... Uh, Fiona Hill? I think the one who was attacked by Trump on Twitter mm-hmm. while she was still testifying. And I right. think that's it, that's really problematic that Trump can just watch someone on TV and even though, you know, I, I agree, I think she's completely, uh, I think she was telling the truth and I, I respect her heavily for, like, testifying in front of Congress like that, but I think it's it's problematic that she can just be attacked by the president and then the onslaught of everybody that comes with that while 
while she's testifying. And right. I think that is a scary thing that can be brought up. Yeah, that can happen. witnesses, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think that Twitter, while it brings a lot of things, it brings a lot of things to the discussion and makes life a lot easier. And it also is a very, it could be a very excellent resource for many of these media things and discussion basically like as like how it was planned to be. I think it also has a lot of problems. And if these tech companies don't address it, um, I think that it's going to be really problematic in the future. Alex? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's what Lou was saying. It's kind of like gross when people are like when he was attacking that one person is testifying because like it also discourages other people from telling their story and how like mm -hmm. maybe um, it's important to like check people in power. So like if they're able to get their entire like following to just to attack someone, them. yeah, then that might not just being in, in front of like millions of people on television, but also being harassed for years might. It's just kind of terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Lucky, I'm going to give you one chance to redeem yourself. You cannot like Twitter's tweeting and lying on Twitter. I think it goes both ways. Oh, yeah. see? This is, this is the Fox problem. This is fascinating. No, it isn't a Fox Mom, problem. Literally, he's lying on Twitter. That, that's okay with you. I didn't Nobody say else I does read that. everything that he tweets because he tweets too much. Mm -hmm. He would have been 100% better off if he mm -hmm. never tweeted. Because he, excuse me, Louis. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. If he had never tweeted, the, whether you like it or not, he has done some things. I'm getting for, away from. I'm talking about a specific thing. Do you think it's okay to lie on no, Twitter? No, of course not. So why do you tolerate it? What do you mean I tolerate? You think, it? hey, it's it's both sides. Nobody else does it. Nobody else Please. does it. Adam Schiff doesn't do it? Give no. me a break. Oh, come on, Kara. He's not the president of the United States. I don't yeah. care. I think the yeah. president of the United States should be held to more, a yeah, higher standard. I think he should, although yeah, but he's not, thinks he's mom, so mom, mom, He's mom. not the president of the United States. Stop. I know Adam Schiff. I went to college with Adam Schiff. <laughs> oh, I had him God on the podcast. Forbid. Listen, Mom, Mom, the <laughs> he's point a great is man. He's a you, wonderful have, person. you have developed an enormous tolerance for lying. Which is I'm really not tolerant of lying. You just sort of displayed no, it. No, you social media I'm is working saying, on you perfectly. No, it's not. Well, it's cable media too. Really, all of it. It's it's really interesting. Someday, when you're not with us, we are going to take give donate your brain to science, <laughs> and we're going to test for so what C, what would be Fox T E? Oh is my it, God. What, yeah, is yeah. So what is that thing? Yeah, CTE. Oh no, yeah, CTE. CTE. Uh, yeah, a Fox version a of Fox it. Fox version of CTE. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, here you have it. I'm going to be taking away my mother's phone. Last, very last thing. Everybody, I want to talk about one thing you think I should write about this year, okay? One topic you think I should write about, starting with you, Jeff. Well, I mean, how incredibly good television has gotten. I think that the, one of the best things about, you asked one of the best things about the media, et cetera, and about, uh, I think television, we're in a golden age of TV. It's just yes. so good. Uh, and really, a wide variety of shows, and I think just how they continue to pump out content that is just amazing. Uh, and and facilitated know, by the internet. And facilitated by the internet and facilitated mm -hmm. by Twitter and social and media. And Netflix, I mean, yeah. take The Good Place, right? Yeah. Literally one of my favorite shows I've ever watched. I love every single person on that show. They are masters at uh, social media with uh, putting that out there. But So I think that content's really important. Uh, and also promoting content writers. Yeah. I think a lot of these people are unheralded, and they put out amazingly good shows. All right. So I should write about that. That's a good yeah. topic. I will have Richard Plepler on, perhaps. He just Excellent. signed a deal. With HBO. With, a, with, with well, Apple. Well, it was from HBO. Yes, right? Apple. Yeah. Mom, what should I write about? I think you should write more about the power of technology. Oh. <laughs> That's no, all I no, do. No, 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 no. Federal Library. How it has gone sometimes too far. Yeah, that's Should they be... Uh, you know, controlled a little more. 
I think I write about that. Well, Keep you going. do, but I would write more about more it. More about it, really. I think, I think you like what you're writing, Mom. I, I know you like what I'm writing. Yes, encore. I do. I do like right. what you're so writing. So you think they should be regulated? And you think I, I think should... absolutely they should be regulated. All right, so I should write more about that. I yeah. think they're tired because, of me no, writing about it. No, because you're strong force for it. Okay. And you write brilliantly. Thank you, Mom. Although that might be propaganda. This is my nice part. All right, okay, that's enough. We're done with Lucky. The sweet finish. The Trump love and Lucky. Alex, what should I write about? Um, Sneakers. No, I think, like, (laughs) a lot of times you talk about just, like, big tech companies, and I think you should also address, like, media and stuff like that. Okay. I think, like, also you ignore the subjects, like, you don't really understand, Like, like, video games and stuff like that. You're right. And I think, like, it is a huge aspect of media that has come up as technology has advanced. You know, Eric is a specialist in this. You're right. We should have mm-hmm. more. Eric, yeah. write that down. Okay. All right. Okay. Louis? Um, I think, honestly, it'd be really interesting, like, as, you know, as you usually write about the immediate implications of a lot of the things that these big tech companies do, and sometimes the long term, but I think it'd be really interesting to write about, you know, maybe you could you could interview Alex and I about mm-hmm. it and I talk about how uh, these, the influence of growing up mm-hmm. in this era and, like, what it all means right. on us and, like, how it impacts, how the differences, uh, how I'm going to perceive the world than you and also, like, what that means going forward. It's a for great all these- thing. I think so far, so good. I have to tell well, you. Well, let's hope. We can't predict the future. <laughs> mature young men. I find you very thoughtful. Both Thank of you. you. But that's a good idea. That's an excellent idea. We're in at Code this year. We're going to talk about the next hundred years from now in healthcare and all kinds of things. Will there be anything? Will there years be from anything? Now? <laughs> that's one of the topics we're going to talk about. Amanda, this is a difficult thing to tackle because it's kind of subterranean. But I think uh, we found out so much after the 2016 election about how personalization had shaped different people's experience of what the of the sort of media they were getting about, uh, specifically about elections. And I think that we're heading into another situation like that now where it can be quite hard for the media. They're kind of the, the stuff that's being targeted to journalists in New York or Washington is quite different than what you're seeing if you are a Facebook user in Michigan. And I think that if there's any way to, it's a very difficult thing to study because it's so differentiated. But I think it's really critical that we find out what people are seeing so that we know how it will shape the election this fall. That's a great idea. There are 20 million messages being given out to 25. Oh, that's Clara. She's all tired of this. Go ahead, Louis. I think, yeah, I think also one more thing. I've just came to my mind. I, we, we saw it here in this podcast, like the the influence that, and the, and the, 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 polarization. the polarization that uh, different types of media and like Fox News and CNN, all well, these things. Really well, no, but I'm just saying, it, it, but it affects the whole country and yeah. like how Trump has on, uh, on on our discussions in politics and facts of the matter and like what mm-hmm. is truth. And I think Pete Buttigieg often talks about this on the campaign trail, him being a leader in the post-Trump world. I think it'd be really interesting to write about how we come back from all of this misinformation, polarization, and, you know, fake news after, because like whether it's in 2021 or 2025, Trump's going to be gone at some point. And I think that it's going to be really interesting how we come back and bring, because is it, is it just going to continue or mm-hmm. is it going to come back to our truth? Are we going to get our senses together or are we going to run crazy? Louis, that's a brilliant place yeah, to I am end. looking forward <laughs> to having the hegemony of the baby boomers, myself included, gone. be gone. I mean, I think yeah. it, listening to my nephews here, I'm really uh, confident yes. about the future. Me too. Me too. They're fantastic. So are they your are kids, fantastic. by the way. Thank you. Incredible. We all came from Lucky. Shocking. Anyway, <laughs> Lucky, thanks for joining us today. Anyway, thank you, Jeffrey Swisher. Thank you, Lucretia Carney, Alex, and uh, uh, Louis Swisher, Claire Joe. You were just making slight notes. And Amanda Katz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank, thank you, you everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Where can you people find you all online? I am on Twitter at Jeffrey Swisher. 
All right. Is that it? Jeffrey Switzer? Uh, Jeffrey Switzer, MD, I think. Yes, I think that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lucky, where are you online? Don't find Lucky online. <laughs> Don't oh, even yeah. Try. I got some nice comments the last time. Yes, because okay. I put up your crazy emails to me and people think they're funny. You guys are really not on the right. You guys will have to find it yourself. You'll find it yourselves. Yeah. And Amanda is. I'm on Twitter at Katzish. At Cassage. CNN Investigations. Yes, CNN Investigations. All right. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search them in your podcasting app of choice or tap on the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.